and reading, at their very best, are a social experience. Whether it be a book club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your host, Carrie. We've been in a book club together for over a decade and enjoy talking about what we're reading, but in so many ways, we are opposites. Carrie is a cat lover, but I'm a dog nut. Amy loves a good party, while I prefer to wear my fuzzy socks while introverting on the couch. But books are the tie that binds. Each week, we have fun conversations with interesting people about how books and reading influence their lives. We will find out what books are on their nightstands and ask them about five things that make them who they are. We invite you to learn more about the many perks of being a book lover. Our guests today are members of a group they comically refer to as a literary gang a book club called The Monstrous Regiment, a name based on a book by author Terry Pratchett that features a feminist manifesto. Hannah Zimmerman and Amelia Reeser started the group three and a half years ago with a focus on female-centric books, although, as you will soon realize, every rule is meant to be broken in this high-energy crowd of both male and female 20 and 30-somethings. Hannah and Amelia talk to us about the difference between being a group that is female-centric versus feminist, why having male members adds interesting insights to their book discussions, and how they were surprised that the group has gone from a typical book club to a supportive social network. Amy and I are at the Northeast Regional Library with two guests this week. We have Hannah Zimmerman, who is the marketing director at Locust Grove, and we also have Amelia Reeser, who is the manager of volunteer services at Kentucky Performing Arts, which Amy and I did not realize is the new and improved name for the Kentucky Center for the Arts. They are members of a female-centric book club here in Louisville. So we're going to be talking to them about their book club and what it's all about. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for having us. Tell us just a little bit about each of you. Are you native Louisvillians or or not? Yes. So this is Amelia alphabetically first. Uh, (laughs) And yes, I am originally from Louisville. I was born, grew up here my whole life. Went to Assumption High School where I met Hannah and to Lexington to Transylvania University for college and spent two years in Wisconsin for graduate school and came back home in 2014 and have been happily living and working here ever since. So you all were high school friends? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We met uh, our second day of sophomore year at Assumption High School. And we've been friends for 15 years, and it sounds a lot like we have very similar trajectories. I'm all, This is Hannah, by the way. Hello, everyone. I'm also a native Louisvillian. I went to Spring Hill College in Alabama for undergraduate, and then we both went to different schools in Wisconsin for graduate oh, school. Wow. Moved back to Louisville the same year. We decided we still wanted to be friends, and we moved back here <laughs> and have just been hanging out ever since. And we've just added more people <laughs> to reading. <laughs> so how did this female-centric book club, how, how did it come to be? It was the summer of 2016, and I was reading a lot of books, and I was really, really antsy because I didn't have anyone to talk about them with. And so I texted Amelia and several other people that I knew, and I was like, if I started a book club, like, would you join? And then they were like, sure. So I started a Facebook group called Hypothetical New Louisville Book Club, and um, it was I a private <laughs> <laughs> hypothetical I, well, because I wanted it to be kind of everybody got a voice in what this book club was going to be. So I added a hundred people to this group. It was basically everyone I knew over the age of twenty-one who could read, <laughs> and within twenty-five miles of Louisville, that checked out to a hundred people. I think we're still hovering about that number. 
And then we just, through a series of discussion posts and polls, we chose that we were going to focus on female authors. We chose the name The Monstrous Regiment based off of a book by Terry Pratchett and a late 18th century feminist manifesto. We have some history fans in the group, too. A lot of history okay. people. Yeah, and then on July 2nd, 2016... She knows the exact date. I have it in my calendar. I'm very proud that we've been doing this for three and a half years. Like 16 of us met, we had a great conversation, and at the end, everyone was like, what do we do next? So we drew the next person's name out of a hat. We've never skipped a month since then. We've combined months, and like sometimes our January meeting will be February 2nd because of different schedules, but we've just had a super fun time Mm -hmm. figuring out what we do and reading a whole lot of books mm-hmm. by mostly female authors. So do you still have the hypothetical book club Facebook page? <laughs> yeah. Because it's not hypothetical It's anymore. not hypothetical. I think the name was changed to the Monstrous Regiment book club, but it's the same. It's, it's the same the evolution group. of that It's page. the same group. So there are still 100 people? So we have a lot of lurkers. Hannah has a habit of we meet new people in public, and she goes, do you want to join a book club? <laughs> It's working. It does work. And it's hypothetical. (laughs) (laughs) We're called the Monstrous Regiment. And they're just like, what? (laughs) Uh, And then she will go and send them the group invitation. So we have a lot of folks, and like my sister-in-law is one of them. Some of my coworkers are some of them. People who don't live in Lowell anymore. They just work. They like to see what we're reading. They don't necessarily come to the book club meetings, but they'll eventually read the book because they saw it on the page. I think that's actually one of the fun parts about book club is we have a core group of about 12 people who meet once a month. There have been a couple people who lurked for a really long time and then were like, you know what? I can make it this time Mm -hmm. and have come. We're really fluid. It's laughable how few rules we have. (laughs) Um, But basically people just really, you know, we're reading interesting stuff and someone has been like, I can't come to book club, but I did read the book and it was weird. And so every time I'm like, maybe we should ask people if they want to leave someone will show up at a meeting who's been lurking for three years. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to know that we're a core group of people, but we also have this kind of cheering section, I Mm -hmm. suppose, this peanut gallery that is still invested or just looking for stuff to read. That's Mm -hmm. the best part. Okay, so I have to ask this question because this is so drastically different from the book club (laughs) that Amy and I are in. And so one of the questions I have is, my mind is so blown. (laughs) I'm having trouble speaking. I'm stroking out. (laughs) So how would you handle it if you were expecting that core 12 people and then 25 people show up? So each person, this month it's our friend Megan and our new book club friend Zach who moved to Louisville and immediately joined book club. They're hosting book club at the end of January. And Facebook pages and groups are really versatile and you can do a lot of stuff with them. So Basically, they create an event in that group, and every person who's on the group, all 97 to 100 of us, are invited. And then we just use the function on Facebook that says going, not going, maybe, and then to get a kind of head count. So if anyone's listening and is like, this sounds awesome, I want to join this like weird no rules lady book club. Limited rules. Just <laughs> <laughs> limited rules. You can request to be, it's, I think it's a secret group, but you can email me and I'll add you to the group. It's kind of like subscribing to notifications. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've. I think the most we've ever had is 16, the very first, first meeting. meeting. The fewest we've ever had is four. And we try to be really communicative about if we say we're going in the group, 
we go or we alert the person that we're not Mm -hmm. and vice versa like just to make it Mm -hmm. easier because we meet at restaurants if you're gonna make a reservation for 12 or 27 you Mm -hmm. gotta know so let's talk a little bit about the female-centric part of your book club Mm -hmm. would you call it feminist explain the feminist versus female-centric so when Hannah introduced the book club to everyone, that was basically the only thing she threw out as, this is what I want this book club to be, like, was female authors. Like I want what, us to read female authors. Like basically, I was like, we get, we're going to need a hook. If we're going to be unfocused in all other areas, we need to be focused on one area. <laughs> and I was like, me, it was, someone had told me out in the world that they had been once been part of it and how cool it was. And I was like, that's cool. Let's start with that. From there, I think there's been three times that we did not use a female author. And our rule then was like, okay, it's fine to use a male author, but the story has to be female-centered. And by nature of doing that, I feel like women write about what women care about. And so a lot of the topics end up being feminist, even if the book itself is not meant to be a feminist manifesto. There's feminist themes within it. So we end up having a lot of those kinds of conversations. And I think also um, we've teased out a lot of times, is this a feminist book? will come mm-hmm. up a lot. And then we'll talk about like, what does that mean in the context of the modern world? And what does that mean in the context of this book? Mm-hmm. Well, because I was going to say, just because you're a female author doesn't necessarily mean you're a feminist. Yes. True. Well, and, mm-hmm. and also, you know, the male authors that we've read, I would say two out of the three would be considered feminist Mm -hmm. in their writing. We're always female-centric, but the book itself, while might not be the most feminist thing we've ever read. The second book we read was Bad Feminist, but we've also read some things. The Good Earth is a book that we read by Pearl S. Buck, a classic of American literature, not necessarily feminist, but by a female author. Although, Mm -hmm. because it considers a lot of different gender roles, it ends up having feminist conversations, Mm -hmm. but it wouldn't show up on a list of top 100 feminist books of the last century. So I'm curious, who are the three male writers? Do you remember what books those were? Oh, yeah. The very first one was Tom Robbins. We read Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. The second one was Coraline Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Which I think was universally beloved. Yes. Um, We loved that one. You gotta love Neil Gaiman. You gotta love Mm -hmm. Neil Gaiman. Mm -hmm. And this past summer, we finally read our namesake book, The Monstrous Regiment by Terry Pratchett. It's part of his epic Discworld series, but it was time. We'd been around for three years. We (laughs) needed to know our source material. And so it's been fun to read. We've averaged reading one male author a year. But it creates good variety as mm-hmm. well. It, it kind of shakes things up. And I would say that we read pretty widely and pretty diversely in genre and subject matter and author and things mm-hmm. like that. But it is fun to throw a dude in there and just be like, what does he think about the mm-hmm. world? Because we have four guys in our book club. It's not all ladies. That intrigues me. I'm not sure that I would go to a book club that was male-centric. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it intrigues me that you have male members. So what are their thoughts about that or well we'd have to ask them <laughs> <laughs> although truth be told that's how we found out about you yeah. all because when brandon villarolo you did it right thank you <laughs> it, it's taken me this long to finally get it but he told us that he was in your book club mm-hmm. and so then we were like "Ooh, this is intriguing yeah brandon so. and his wife also named hannah were inaugural members mm-hmm. of the book club we have one other guy tim who's been in our book club since the beginning. And then one of the lurkers we mentioned is a man. Shout out to Troy. And then Zach, who just moved to Louisville, uh, met a mutual book club member. And she was like, you just moved to Louisville. You got to meet my book club. And now he's 
hosting his first book club in January. So again, jumped right we're, in. we're, yeah. So they don't seem to be put off by it. I would say three years in, Tim and Brandon are definitely good. <laughs> and, and, and it's really nice when I, you know, had this idea that maybe we should start a book club. Because I noticed I was reading like a lot of historical fiction by white women. And I was like, that's a little boring. And so I would say that not only is our book club, we're really widely read at this point. We've read like, what, 41 books of three and a half years in. But also having the perspective of Tim and Brandon and Troy and Zach, we had a book member of the wedding that was talking about like female adolescence and like feelings and all the girls at the table were like, yes, this is what it felt like to be 12. And the guys were like, we don't know what that's like. And here's what we felt like when we were 12. Well, I bet that they bring different perspectives oh, to the book. Our last book club, we read Beloved by Toni Morrison. And there was a lengthy debate between Zach, our newest member, and one that actually the Megan who brought him to book club. Spoiler alert, they got into a lengthy debate about the men in the book and if their actions were justified. If Seth's husband (laughs) going crazy after witnessing her rape and not doing anything to help her was understandable or a sign of just total male weakness. And Megan had excellent points. Zach had excellent points. But it was one of the best debates that we've had in book club forever. And I don't think we would have gotten that without Zach having his particular background and and his understanding of the world being in that meaning. I mean, that's the point of book club, right? It's to read a bunch of different voices. And so I think to talk about your book club as well, you need a bunch of different voices and opinions. So are there any special limitations that you have on the books that you choose, besides the fact that you like for them to be female-centric? It doesn't even have to be a book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we... Tell us more. (laughs) Um, We've mostly read books, but we've read graphic novels. We've read nonfiction. Which is a book. It is a book. (laughs) I'm getting to the not book. Carrie's going to bring out the fifth paragraph. No, I'm I'm just realizing that... On this side of the table, we are very restrained. Like, we have boxed ourselves in, but, book club-wise. But I think, we are in a box, but Amy, I think right that's, here. But I think that's okay. Like, I was in a book club when I was growing up that was very, like, we do this and we read this, and that was fine. And I think one of the things that's fun for us is the book club represents the personalities of each Mm -hmm. person. We have some things that we do in every book club. Like, we have our discussion. We have our announcements. My favorite part is check-in. Ooh, what's check-in? We'll get there in a minute. Okay. (laughs) Um, Sorry. um, My ADHD. (laughs) No, it's good. I'm I'm trying to... Building the suspense on what's not a book. (laughs) We've read two screenplays. Oh. Um, Mm -hmm. So we read uh, Christmas a couple years ago. We read When Harry Met Sally, which is Nora Ephron, and it directly deals with the relationship between men and women, mm-hmm. and we watched the movie, and we had a great conversation. And then this month, we're actually reading our second screenplay, which was written by one of our members, Megan. Oh. So oh. we read poetry, which is still a book. Um, it was in book form. <laughs> but we we try to, like... Not standard prose. Not standard prose, <laughs> I Are we like the book police? <laughs> yeah, we're like the book police. Well, and as I always tell new members, the rules are there are no rules. Even the rule about only reading women is broken roughly once a year. Mm -hmm. Because we kind of have a blanket thing of book club is for everybody. Whether you just heard about it yesterday and we're meeting, you know, next week and you just want to show up and you have no idea what we're reading, fantastic. Our kind of caveat is if you want to come to book club and you haven't finished the book, you have to be okay with spoilers. You just have to be. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we would much rather have you giving your thoughts about, like, the themes and topics 
whether you read all 350 pages of Beloved or just the first 35. We just like our people. <laughs> we just want people to hang out with. So do you always meet at restaurants? Not always. Uh, I think it tends to be easier for folks mm-hmm. than, you know, not to have the pressure of I have to get home and clean my house and make food and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So we tend to, and for a stretch, we were trying to pick restaurants that somehow meshed with the theme of the book, which can get tricky. Very tricky. We're running out of restaurants in Louisville that match that. Mm-hmm. Without, we've never repeated a restaurant in so many years. Here's what I'm wondering, as a person who's often arranged things at restaurants, is that I hate the long table. Mm-hmm. Because you can only really talk to the person right across from you or on either side. You, I like a round table, but mm-hmm. those are hard to find at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So how do you have a substantial discussion you scoot your terrace closer and you shout. <laughs> um, we tend to kind of make the whoever is the discussion captain, because we're a regiment, we try to make them, if it's a big long table, they're kind of at the head of the table or in the center, like where grandma would sit at Thanksgiving. And then everyone kind of just curls in around them. It means that sometimes, you know, one half of the table is having a conversation about one part of the book and someone else is having a conversation. But that's okay. We might seem very anarchist, but I feel like, and you, Amelia can correct me, but a lot of times, we'll We'll hear something in the conversation. We'll be like, hold on, time out. You guys, we want to all tap into what's happening over mm-hmm. there. And then we'll bring it back together. And mm-hmm. I think because so far we've had a concentrated group, you can fit 12 people around a long table. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we do have a couple restaurants we've been like, they were good food but real noisy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to Havana Rumba on music night, which uh, Havana Rumba, great well. food, great discussion of Lucy by Jamaica Kincaid. Had to really listen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to go back to check-in. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that we ever fully so, got to so hear check-in what check-in is. Doesn't actually have anything to do with the books. Nothing whatsoever. Um, but Hannah instituted it almost immediately. <laughs> I think because when we started out, so many of us didn't know each other. Like Hannah was the only person in book club that I knew when we and started so, our and, meetings. And I knew most people who came to that first meeting. But then at that very first meeting, someone was like, well, I brought my friend. I brought my friend Carrie, and I'd never met Carrie before. Or someone heard I had a book club, and a new employee had just moved to Louisville, and he was like, she should be in your book club. And that's how we met Erin. And, <laughs> and so we get different people. So check-in. It started out kind of as, like, introduce yourself to the group. Who are you? Where do you work? What do you like to do? That sort of thing. And has since morphed into, this is what I've been doing for the past month. So we just fill everybody in on the highs, the lows, or the nothings. I feel like several of us are like, it was a month. We can save this month as last month. Book club does kind of morph into, hey, like tomorrow we're going to be playing trivia at Against the Grain together, literary trivia. Our friend Megan, again, was in uh, Dracula at Actors Theater, so we went to see that. But it's also a way of, if we haven't seen you in a month, What's been going on? I, and I think that's important to the camaraderie of our group mm-hmm. is that we all genuinely like each other and care about what the other people have to say, whether that's talking about a book or talking about their life. So you do do some social things outside of book club? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are con- a lot <laughs> a lot of things. Because it's morphed into kind of a literary gang, if you will. <laughs> Of, you know, a lot of times, it's like, oh, I really want to go apple picking at Huber's. Who do I ask to go apple picking at Huber's? 
book club. You know, you're you're going to be in a in a show. Who's going to be there to cheer you on and scream at the pyrotechnics? Book club. <laughs> and I think that's part of the fun is it's nice that we can all meet each other once a month. We know that that's where we're going to be to talk about a book. But it's also nice to just hang out. Mm. I'm a Louisville native, but I lived away from Louisville for six years. And so being able to come back and find a community mm-hmm. and a group of people that are genuinely awesome was like the reason that I'm still in Louisville. <laughs> so what would you say has been the best discussion? We had really good ones. Beloved was one. Beloved sure. was very good. My sister, the serial killer. Oh. Yeah, it's by, her first name is Oyinake Braithwaite, but we had a really good discussion about that one. It's I think it came out last year. The Power by Naomi Alderman. The Member of the Wedding uh, by Carson McCullers, because that happened in about six months in, and I feel like that's where we like really gelled. It wasn't just like a group of people meeting. It was like a group of people hanging out and talking about a book mm-hmm. in like a really meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I think, too, that book was the first one where we had a lot of mixed opinions. Mm-hmm. Up to that point, it was like we either all hated a book or mm-hmm. we all loved the book. We all hated the very uh, first book that we picked. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> Which one's that? It was, uh, so I had to choose the first book and paralyzed with fear, I just picked a book that was on my shelf to be read. And it was The Little Paris Bookshop by Nina mm-hmm. George, which it's a fine book. Unless you really love books in translation about grumpy Frenchmen on barges. <laughs> I mean, really, who doesn't? Who doesn't? <laughs> but we also, the main female character, we all universally hated her. And so it was actually really cool at our very first meeting to have a whole group of mostly strangers being, like, united around the fact that we didn't like this one mm-hmm. character. Mm-hmm. Also, one of our more controversial books was Even Cowgirls Get the Blues mm-hmm. by Tom Robbins. It was our first male author. And... I like that we read it. I like that we exposed ourselves to this very particular book, but nobody liked it except the person who chose it. We love you so much. (laughs) (laughs) But I like that she, you know, felt like she could challenge us. Like we were the right group of people to have this conversation with. Mm -hmm. And we had a really good conversation about how much we hated the book. Mm -hmm. But I think Member of the Wedding was the first one where we could productively disagree with each other. I feel like when we don't like a book, we do a pretty good job of not just bashing the book. Like, we have reasons for why we don't like it, and we can discuss why we don't like it. But that one, it was like people would say, oh, I didn't like this or this or this, and then someone could respond with, well, I found it really meaningful that she did it this way because of X, Y, Z. X, Y, or Z. And I think there is a certain level of anxiety and awkwardness when you don't know everybody and you're like oh, I don't want to say something that's like really gonna offend or upset someone mm-hmm. and now we've gotten to a place where as long as we're polite and we come from a place of goodwill we also have the Megan badge of honor we have a wonderful member of our book club she chose our next book she always has something really wonderful to say about the book but it, she is very particular about the sort of characters and books that she likes. And so getting Megan to like your book is like getting on Oprah and Reese's book club <laughs> and also like dancing with Ellen. <laughs> it's, I'm, it's all those I've things. only gotten one Megan badge of honor. So tell us a Megan badge of honor book. Little Fires Everywhere. Little Fires Everywhere. Oh, that was a good that one. That was the unit, like, yeah, on the, like, the top one. ten books that we can all agree on. That comes up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. She liked The Magician's Assistant, which was mine, so I always remember that. Uh, I'm that's trying to. Anne Patchett, that's right? Anne Patchett. Patchett. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, love um, her so much. 
Well, it sounds like Megan has pretty good. <laughs> she, 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 everyone, and every time we've had a book, even if no one has liked it, or even if we've just been like, hey, it was a really busy month, we didn't finish it. We all really appreciate that people are bringing books that are sometimes really special to them. Sometimes like, hey, I, I really love this book and I'd like us to talk about it. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you're trusting us to read this and think about it critically and thoughtfully and not just be like, I hated it so much, it should go burn in a fire. But it's like, that's right. the sort of thing. I mean, even even Cowgirls Get the Blues, we didn't like it. The experience was upsetting, but we're glad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how I feel about bananas. Like <laughs> The fruit? Yes. Okay. Like, I know they're good for me, uh-huh. and I should eat them, but I don't enjoy eating yeah. them. Yeah. And then when it's I'm fit. done, I'm, like, glad I ate it, but also I hate that I ate it. Yeah. So that sounds it's, like yeah. that particular book. That seems book. similar. Yeah. Yes. It's 100% Great the, metaphor. <laughs> the same thing, essentially. <laughs> so it sounds like your group is a very positive one. But yeah. in every group, there's sometimes challenges. So have there been any things that have caused difficulties? first started we were going to meet on the first Saturday of every month. <laughs> we did that for two months. Did we even do it that long? We didn't, yeah. It was, so finding time where everybody can meet is always really difficult. So we do that on our Facebook group by polls. The person who, the discussion captain, the person who's leading the discussion will say, here are the dates that I'm available in my month. And we usually pick books about six weeks out so you know what's coming. Also, so you don't have a set day mm-mm. or time. It, it changes it, every month. It's usually not on a weekend just because I think busy people like to keep their weekends open. Because weekends are for when the regiment goes out and does stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's when we, Does the regiment ever sleep? Um, Certain members. <laughs> but yeah, I think that was like truly that might be the only challenge mm-hmm. is finding oh, time in well, a place. I think learning or giving ourselves permission that not every 16 people needed to be able to attend the next meeting, you know. It's majority. Because that would be virtually impossible. We always come from a place of we want everyone to come, and when we get that, it's amazing and awesome. And I think that's where check-in comes in, too. Like, if we haven't seen you in a while, what what were you doing if you couldn't be with us? Like, tell us the exciting, cool things in your house. You moved? You got a dog? You ran a marathon? Amazing. So does check-in, like, if I was going to show up at your book club. You want our agenda? Yeah, yeah. Do you have an agenda? I would say. Or is it a loose one? It's it's so loose. The typical format is. We arrive. Gather, mm-hmm. order food. Yes, the most important part. Assuming we're at a restaurant, which is nine times out of ten where we're at. Discuss the book and then end with check-in. Okay. Because usually check-in can take a while. I was wondering about that because sometimes when people start talking about what's been going on with them, yes, yes. you're opening up a can of worms sometimes. Yes. Not necessarily in a bad way, but if you do that for everybody and you have 12 people. Well, and mm-hmm. but I think also, also everyone's pretty respectful of each other's time. Roughly each person just says what they need to say, and it works out because sometimes like, January was fine for me. It's, it's okay. I don't have much to report. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then someone else who's like, I had a banner month. Let me tell you all about it. It mm-hmm. evens out. And then we always finish with the two very important things, like any announcements, like okay, so so-and-so is up next in the rotation, or I'm next and I can't do that month because I'm going to Bora Bora. Can you switch with me? And then a group hug. That's important to me. We don't do group hugs. <laughs> Look, if, if anything was to go, I think the regiment would probably be like, group hugs are fine, but we don't need them every time. Just get <laughs> Hannah to come to your meeting, and at the end she will yell group hug, and everyone feels like so, they have to conform. I think that it is so funny because you call yourself the regiment, you have captains, you called yourself a literary gang, and yet there's no structure, there's a group hug. <laughs> 
Well, the structure, I think, boils down to the rotation. We're, yeah. we're pretty dedicated in following the order of, like, who picks the next book but and also, who's responsible for organizing but it. But also, if you're new and you're feeling really gung-ho and... Hannah's fe- trying to make you think we don't have structure. <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say is you have to have some sort of structure. And so that's why we kind of all know we're going to discuss the book. We're going to have a check-in. Be mindful of your time. Like, that sort of thing. We know who's coming up next. But also, if you're a new member and you're feeling gung-ho and you want to pick the next book or you've been in a while and you're not in the rotation, we don't really have a beginning or end to the rotation anymore. So we'll just be like, oh, you're free in April? Hey, April, would you mind if you became May? And they're like, no, cool. We have rules, but they're optional. (laughs) (laughs) I would make a terrible middle school teacher. Since you have formed it, is there anything that you have gotten from book club that has surprised you? I mean, I assume that you started it because you wanted to talk about books. The social circle that it gave us. I don't think any of us expected to become as close as we did with each other so that we are, you know, going to see Megan I forgot fight about, vampires. I forgot about or, Cabin, Cabin, Cabin. Or Cabin, Cabin, Cabin. <laughs> <laughs> the last two years, we've gone to a cabin in Red River Gorge over one weekend So like a together. retreat. Like kind of. Yeah. We don't have our discussion on retreat because not everyone can come, but it's been like, hey, does anyone want to come hang out in a cabin in the woods for a while? And sometimes it's members who are not book club members can come, and that's fantastic. And that's how we try to get them in. Like, hey, they're fun to hang out with. Let's talk about books with them. Um, but truly, like someone, I asked Erin, and why do members come insane? She said the food and sparkling personalities. And... Yeah. That strikes me as correct. We try to be friendly. We try to share our fries. No. <laughs> they sound like our book club, but younger and not as many rules. Yeah. See, because I we do c- a cabin kind of thing. <laughs> see, too. I want to come to your book club and just like see how like a real book club operates. Oh my God. <laughs> so what advice would you give to someone who's forming a book club? I think the hook helps. Yeah. It's just something. There are so many books in the world. So just something like maybe you're only to gonna read you. Oprah's book club books, or mm-hmm. you're only gonna read graphic novels. You're only gonna read Voices of Color. Mm-hmm. And one thing I particularly like about this book club is that we do have the rotation, so everybody does have the chance to pick a book. Obviously, you can abstain if you don't want the power, but it works well for us in a way that other book clubs, if it's vote by group consensus. Mm -hmm. There might be a book that is really worth reading, but if they don't have enough people championing it, that book gets skipped. So this way, it's forced us to read more broadly than I ever would, and everybody gets a chance to feel like I'm contributing something. We do that as well, and I like it because I feel like everybody gets a chance to pick a book that they want to Mm -hmm. read. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important. As long as it meets certain rules. Okay. Well, we do so have what are your rules? rules? Like, what are your rules well, of the book club? Well, the, the rules that she's talking about, they're not horrible rules. No, they're good. I, I, I'm just poking fun of you because it's fun, really. But, so we have some people in our group that are just very frugal. You know, and sure, some of yeah. that is because of, you know, they have kids or mm-hmm. they're single moms. One of our rules is that it has to be either paperback or a hardback that is reasonably available at the library. Mm-hmm. You know, not that there's 200 people that's waiting for rule. it on reserve. I, yeah, I'm okay with that. So, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> one of our rules, which I, I mean, I tease you about it, but I like that rule. That, so. Well, and actually, one of our, like, unspoken rules is we do kind of try 
to do that. We have read new releases and that's totally fine, but as long as we're not reading a new release every month, I think that's really good. Also, a plug for the Louisville Free Public Library. They have book discussion kits. Yes, they do. Which is fantastic. It's been really good for some of the books we've read where it's a really popular book or just want to make sure that everyone's reading the same edition or something is we've gotten the kits and we've been able to make sure that everybody gets a copy of the book. I'm glad somebody else is using them because I've known about them for years and I'm constantly saying, don't you know about the book discussion (laughs) (laughs) Well, and they come. Word is getting out of me. They come with enough copies for everyone. I think it's 20 copies. It's a ridiculous number of copies. And they come with discussion questions. The other thing that I would say that has also helped us is we're not good about keeping it up, but we registered Mm -hmm. our book club with Carmichael's because because if you are a registered book club, the discussion captain remembers, I never remember, to call in and say, hey, our new book is um, Beloved by Toni Morrison. You get 20% off from your title. So you get to you know, save a little bit of money, but also support a local business. I just found out about this Carmichael's thing, but I, mean, I can't believe that we didn't that we didn't know about that. But that's pretty <laughs> I don't know. Been around for like twelve years. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, your, book, your book has been around for twelve years yeah, at, at least. Goals. We have yeah, goals. Yeah. So goals. Years. Regimentals. Buckle up. It's got a little bit more to ride. Also, yes, our, our group colloquialism is regimentals. <laughs> Have I made restaurant reservations with that name? Yes. <laughs> so on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what we're reading. We are back and we are here with Hannah and Amelia and Carrie. What have you been reading since the last time that I saw you? Okay, I have been rereading a book (coughs) that I was actually introduced to by one of my students a long time ago when I was teaching middle school. I had a sixth grade student, a young man, who came up and asked me if I had read Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card, and I had not read Orson Scott Card or Ender's Game or anything, really. And he he was like, oh, it's a great book. You need to read it. And so I read the book, and I fell in love with the book, and then I proceeded to read the entire series. And then I got into Dune, and I got into all these other books. So I always think about this young man because he kind of started me on this path of really enjoying science fiction. My husband helped too because he's a sci-fi person. But I was going to say my husband loves that series. And what a good teacher you are that you read a book just because your student told you that you should. I am. (laughs) Thank you for noticing. Um, So, and I'm actually, I'm getting ready to teach this book, which is why I'm rereading it. Here's what this book is about. It starts off, it's about this family and the youngest child is named Ender. Uh, His real name is Andrew. And you find out that he has an older brother and an older sister, and they have both been tested by the government. And Andrew, or Ender, I'll refer to him as Ender, he has just finished being tested. At first, you're unsure what exactly are they testing them for. Peter didn't make the cut, and the sister, Valentine, didn't make the cut. And then you find out that Ender has made the cut. And he is going to go off to basically like a military training school up in outer space. You know, he's going to. Is there a regiment? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, actually, there are regiments in here. (laughs) (laughs) What you learn about Ender is that he is a blend of 
what made his brother not qualify for the program and what made his sister not qualify for the program. So he kind of has the, the worst and the best of both. He is a young man, and he's only, you know, in the story, I think he's maybe six. And he leaves his family. His parents had to have government permission to even have him. So, you know, this is very futuristic. And about 80 years ago, the planet was attacked by this alien species that they called the buggers. And that's what they're fighting. So this happened 80 years ago. Humans just happened to win. And the buggers haven't come back yet, but the human race is terrified that they're going to come back, that they've spent all this time and they're going to come back. So this story is about how Ender goes to this training program. And what they do with these young men and women is they basically teach them military training and have them play essentially war games because they want to find the sort of the greatest leader who is going to help them once and for all defeat the buggers. And so it's just a super fascinating book. I mean, Ender ends up being this character that he does some like horrible things, but he feels remorse about them. Like he does them because he has to. And he's just a complex character. And if you read the entire series, which I think is like six books long, it gets even more futuristic and Ender actually ends up giving up the military role that he has in this book. So I love this book. It does have a little bit of language, but as I have told parents whose children I'm teaching to, I'm like, if they've watched YouTube and they've played some video games, they have heard (laughs) the the language in this book. Mm -hmm. But I think it gives you lots of things to think about, like about empathy, about what leadership is, about what it means to know yourself, and about the difficult choices that you sometimes have to make that you don't want to make, but you do them because you feel like, given the information you have, that's the best choice. I highly recommend this book. So, Hannah, I'll start with you. What are you reading? Well... I regularly read like three books at a time. (laughs) I'll have my purse book. I'll have the book I read before bed. I'll have the extra emergency book. But last night, I stayed up till 12.30 in the morning, which I hardly ever do, finishing City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. I've heard good things about that. They're all true. It takes place, begins in 1940, and Vivian Morris has just flunked out of Vassar College and goes to live with her Aunt Peg in New York City. And Aunt Peg runs this kind of theater company, but it's also just a a merry band of misfits, I guess is the best way to put it. And it's multi-generational. It ends in 2010 and just has all these wonderful characters that I missed them when I closed the book. I was really sad that they weren't around anymore to hang out with. And Vivian is, she's essentially writing a letter to a woman named Angela. You don't find out who Angela is until about 50 pages from the end of the book. Basically about like how she knows Angela's father, who you don't meet until about 100 pages (laughs) to the end of the book. Spoiler alerts. Um, But it's a really wonderful story. It's really warm hearted. It's a little racy. There's a lot of sex in this book. There's a lot of language in this book. But it's really fun and funny and warm-hearted, and I just loved it. It's hard to tell you about the book without spoiling literally everything about the book, except to say that I'd heard a lot about it. Um, Amelia had suggested it as one of our book club picks before we picked Beloved. And I was like, okay, this see, it's got a really colorful cover, and you have a good cover and you pull me in. But now that I finished that this morning, I started Medallion Status by John Hodgman. It has a corgi on the cover. <laughs> 
So far, it's hilarious. I have not gotten to the part with the corgis yet, but John Hodgman is a comedian and humorist and author, and this is just a book of essays that, again, it had a corgi on the cover. <laughs> I can't stress That's that enough. And it's right basically there. just a bunch of personal essays about his life and his career and his thoughts on airplanes. And it, truly, he has a whole section about how much he loves a, an airline he calls Beloved Airline. And I wish I would get to a place where I thought any airline was beloved. Um, <laughs> and I think I figured it out, John Hodgman, so I'm going to try it. I'm going to try loving an airline. But I think it's going to be a good one. Once I get to the corgis, it's going to be excellent. <laughs> <laughs> but City of Girls was just super fun. And then I think Amelia is going to mention this one too. But The Dutch House by Anne Patchett is mesmerizing. You should read it. <laughs> so Amelia. <laughs> Fill us in. Unsurprisingly, I am reading The Dutch House by Anne Patchett. <laughs> if you have read Anne Patchett before, it is her typical, beautiful, amazing prose. There are lines that are just like following me in my head, which never happens when I read because I don't remember things like that. It is about a young girl, Maeve, and her younger brother, Danny. And at the start of this book, they are living in this beautiful home outside of Philadelphia, yeah. Pennsylvania, called The Dutch House. And their mother, you find out very early on, has left the family when Danny was a baby. So they are living there with their father. And he brings home a new woman. And the story takes off from there. So I won't say more. Um, We went to Ann Patchett's talk in Louisville when she was doing her book tour. And she refused to talk about the book because she said to talk about it would spoil it. So in an attempt not to spoil (laughs) it, I will not talk more about it. But it is, it's wonderful, and I have about two chapters left before it's over, and I both desperately want to finish it and don't want to finish it. <laughs> it's one of those. And it's fantastic because unlike Hannah, I read one book at a time. So the last book I finished was uh, The Healthcare Mess and Why We Are In It, which was a book I've held on to since undergrad because I decided I didn't read it well when I was an undergrad, and I was going to read it well now. I don't think I read it any better than last <laughs> But I did read it finally, and Anne is just such a lovely, refreshing thing (laughs) after that. So there you go. That sounds really heavy and depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Amy, what, what have you been reading? The book that I just finished has two characteristics that I normally don't choose in a book. First of all, it is big. It was over 500 pages. Now, just by a little bit, but still. I normally don't read long books like that. If I find a good one, I love it, but I'm a little bit of a commitment phobe when it comes to a really big book. But this one was totally worth it. The second thing about this book is that it's classified as a romance, but it's a romance in the Shakespearean sense (laughs) in that there's a happy ending. There's no steamy sex. It's not a bodice ripper. But it's still considered a romance, and I tend to not read romances. The name of the book is called Winter Solstice by Rosamond Pilcher. And this book was published in 2000. And in fact, it was the last book that she wrote. She's a British author, and she had a long writing career. And her first book came out in 1949, in fact. She died last year. But her books are almost all of them are romances, but in a family saga uh, type of way. 
So let me just say that reading this book was like getting a big bear hug. It's set in December and it's leading up to the Christmas holiday and there's six different main characters who are all loosely related either by familiar relations or by circumstance but they all feel homeless in some way. For instance, you have Oscar, who's a new widower, uh, and he's been dislodged from his home after his wife's death by his stepsons. And then you have Carrie, who's a 30-something woman who leaves a successful career in Austria, moves back to England with a broken heart after her affair with a married man ends. And then there's Lucy, who's a teenager who feels unwanted when her mother remarries. Now, there's several other characters as well, but all of these characters end up at the Estate House, which is an old Victorian home in this small, quaint town on the northern coast of Scotland. The house feels like a character in itself, as does the small town, and all the inhabitants of the town welcome these characters that come. The way that an Agatha Christie novel can make a creepy old house make you want to run away the house in this story envelops you and makes you want to stay. So in some ways, this book is a little bit like a Hallmark movie, which I tend not to be a fan of because I feel like Hallmark movies are kind of too saccharine and unrealistic. And admittedly, there is a touch of that in this book, but I came to care about these characters so much. They're just so darn likable that I wanted things to end up okay for them in the end. So this book is very rich on atmosphere as well. And now I'm really dying to go to Scotland. That's like, <laughs> like my next dream trip. So if you like a book with a strong sense of place and character, this may be a book that you would enjoy. It's a especially wonderful book to read near the holiday season. I actually heard about this book because I read a list of books that were great to read if you wanted a cozy winter read, mm -hmm. and this was on that <clears throat> list. If you're a person who needs a lot of action, or you think that you only want to read literary fiction, you may not enjoy it. But I'm a person who generally reads literary fiction myself, and I really enjoyed it. I do think that Pilcher is a great observer of relationships. And sometimes it just feels good to have a happy ending. So her most famous book is called The Shell Seekers, and I do want to try that one out. I don't know if you've ever heard of I've heard of her at all. I've heard of Rosamund Pilcher, but I've, I'm ashamed to say I've never read her, but sold. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really good. I highly recommend it. Well, when we come back, we are going to be asking Hannah and Amelia their top five questions. We are back with Hannah and Amelia, and they gave us some topics that make for good questions. So, Hannah, I'm going to start with you. Okay. You have an unusual goal of eating donuts in as many new cities mm -hmm. as possible. How did this goal come about, and what has been your top donut? I didn't think that goal was unusual. I thought everyone <laughs> went to new cities and ate donuts. But... I just really love the donut as a food, and I really like traveling. And so it's kind of a fun thing that, you know, some people have their thing of, if I'm in the capital city, I go to the Capitol building, or I go to see their science museum. And for me, I'll go do all those other things, but I also really like finding, like, the best donuts, because often you get kind of off the beaten path. You're not going to go to get the Krispy Kreme that's down the street from your hotel. You're going to go to kind of the really cool new neighborhood donut place. It actually started when Amelia and I were in college. She was doing an internship in New York City, and I went up for a day to visit her, and she was like, we gotta go to Donut Plant. She was in Brooklyn, and we went to Donut Plant, and I had a carrot cake donut, and it was amazing. 
donut plant is the best thing ever. I'm just gonna. <laughs> and, and it's just kind of fun to, you know, look up different donut places. We were in Philadelphia last year um, and we went to Dottie's Donuts twice. <laughs> once when we entered the city and once when we were leaving so we could have donuts for the drive home. It's fun to read through an Instagram of, oh, there's all these donuts and then you, you see, well, this donut place is really close to this thing that is also really cool and maybe we can walk there because I love walking in cities. But the best donut, I think, is a local donut. Awesome. Um, my number one donut in Louisville is at North Lime, which is, I, I don't Where know the address. That? North Lime. It's somewhere in, near 3rd and Oak, I think. I just kind of appear there. Is it new? It's been around it. for a couple years. <laughs> But they do a really cool thing where they don't have the same donuts every day. So it's like you can't get in and get your favorites. You have to try something new. And they also have really good coffee because donuts need coffee and they have a really nice outside seating area. North Lime Donuts, guys. If you can't travel to get donuts, because who can? Um, North Lime is, is aces. I think I might add this to my list of things I want to do when I travel now because that's a gr- I've got kids, so yeah. I can totally sell a donut place <laughs> to them. And donuts are like the new cupcake. Remember when cupcakes yeah. were really big? Mm-hmm. But I think donuts have more staying power. Okay, Amelia, you are a huge fan of musical theater. <laughs> so what is your top musical of all time? Or if that is too hard, maybe the last five years. The well, last five years. <laughs> the last five years, obviously. Um, uh, okay, so last I, year. I, <laughs> we'll keep narrowing yeah. it down. Yeah, let's do that. No, I will say I grew up watching like the old MGM movie musicals. My sister and I are obsessed with them. Meet Me in St. Louis oh, is our all-time favorite. But the actual like Broadway musical, while I knew I would love growing up, I didn't have a huge relationship with until I started working at Kentucky Performing Arts because obviously Broadway Across America is one of our big resident companies, and so you just deal with a lot of Broadway. And so over the past five years that I've been working there, I've been building a list, much like my reading list of next book to read. I now have my like next musical to investigate. So I love a lot of musicals. I listen to a lot of soundtracks. Waitress, because it was oh, done yeah. by Sarah Bareilles, is like the one the that plays constantly. <laughs> We like they might make <laughs> They definitely probably do. But I more have like the actors or actresses that I want to see. Like if you could send me to New York, I want to see this uh, Laura Osnes, Jeremy Jordan, Kelly O'Hara, Laura Benanti. Like I'm there's so you just a lot of folks I want to fangirl over more than, the... than the show. Okay. <laughs> okay. Is there a particular song from a soundtrack that's like oh, that, that you I get love. stuck in your head? I, well, I get songs stuck in my head all the time. Most recently, it's been Jesus Christ Superstar because that was the last show yes, at yeah. work, which I realized last Friday night that if you are trying to go to sleep, Jesus Christ Superstar is the worst soundtrack <laughs> to have playing through your mind because it's physically impossible to sleep through. <laughs> uh, so I don't listen to that before you go to bed. <laughs> Pro tip. All right, Hannah, as an outdoors lover, what is the top benefit that you get from being outside? Oh, it's the best place to meet dogs. Um, <laughs> I'm all about this girl. I'm a dog lover. It, so I don't have a dog. I have what I call the Borrowed Dogs Club. Just, How can you not have a dog? Okay, so that's a really good question. Essentially, I just haven't found the time uh. to get a dog because I got married last year, so wasn't going to get a dog and get married in the same year. This year, I've been promised 2020 is the year of the dog. I'm just waiting. But I have what I call the Borrowed Dogs Club. Amelia's dog, Rosie, is part of the Borrowed Dogs Club that I just hang out with. And being outside is a great way to meet dogs, but it's also, I grew up near Cherokee Park, and I still live um, in that area. 
I spend a lot of time staring at screens at work, at home, and it's just really nice to be able to just like walk outside and get some fresh air, maybe meet a dog, maybe <laughs> eat a donut. But also I've had the benefit of, I work at Historic Locust Grove, which is has 55 acres. So in the summer, I can just walk outside my office with a book and eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just, I feel like a Disney princess because there's birds singing and flowers blooming and the sun is shining. Outside is fantastic. If you wear an SPF, always sunscreen, <laughs> fun to be outside, especially I start around February, get real antsy in Kentucky because it's just like, I know spring in Kentucky is beautiful and I just am waiting. I needed to get a friend who has a dog who has a membership to some of the Louisville hey, Dog Amelia, Association. Would you like to get a dog <laughs> membership? My, I try to meet as, as many dogs as possible. If you're walking on the other side of the street, minding your business, there is a very good chance I'm crossing the street to meet your dog. 100%. <laughs> you know, the most dogs I've met in one day was 63 oh in, in Seattle. I met a poodle named Hannah. It was fantastic. But being outside is just balm for the soul. Well, Amelia, we do live here in Kentucky, which is huge basketball land, mm -hmm. but I hear that you're a sports fan, especially of college basketball. So what is the top thing about college basketball that draws you over any other sporting event? So I loved all sports growing up because I played all of them, but college basketball is like the only thing that I've decided I like watching as much as I like playing. Everything else, I get bored. So my mother trained me to be one of those enigmas in the city where we love Louisville above all other things, but then we also cheer for the cats. So I live Equal a difficult. I live a, well, not if the cats are playing the cards. <laughs> <laughs> One loyalty, you away. <laughs> but it's a difficult identity to balance yeah. in this world. And then I moved to Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is cold. And Hannah didn't live in the same city as me, so I had a lot of free time on my hands. And one of the ways I coped was watching basketball. Uh, so I adopted Wisconsin's basketball team as one of my own, and I've just never let them go. So now I have three teams that I follow pretty intensely. I think I started watching it in Wisconsin because it was a way to stay connected to home because I knew my mom was at home watching the cards or the cats or whoever. You start out with one team and you know that player and you watch that player graduate and by the time he's graduated there's a new player so I get overly emotionally invested in people <laughs> and their sports. <laughs> All right Hannah, according to social media your life tagline is life loosely inspired by from the mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. So what is the top reason that your life is inspired by that famous children's book? The top reason is the whole book centers on Claudia and her brother Jamie who run away to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I read this book and I said, that is a great life plan, you should live in a museum. And so that book is one of the reasons that I chose my career, which is working in museums. I've worked um, at the Speed Art Museum here in Louisville. I've worked at Historic Locust Grove for three years. I love museums and I love that like a book inspired me to do that. So books are so powerful. And then I'm about to spoil a 50 year old book. Claudia and Jamie, they go to the museum and they live there and they solve an art historical mystery. And I'm like, that is so cool. And it's a fun way to like introduce people and children, especially to museums through a children's book. E.L. Konigsberg is a genius in that way. But also I just, museums are cozy. And even the biggest museums, the Metropolitan Museum of Art is not small, can feel like home if you find your place in them. So that's kind of what I, what I mean when I am on Instagram, like this book changed my life, because it did. <laughs> 
I feel like you need a tagline, Carrie. Yeah, I'll, I'll work on that. Maybe, maybe by our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amelia, you are a tad bit crafty. Oh, very crafty. What is your top crafting hobby? Oh, you mean crafting, not like crafty, like kind of, like kind of plotting. No, no, no plotting. I'll keep the plots to myself. Um, As far as crafting goes, I decided back in high school that I wanted to be a knitter. And then I would try and I would get four rows in and all of a sudden everything would be this big knot and I couldn't figure out how to fix it. And I would give up until six months later, I decided I wanted to be a knitter again. So I did that for a long time. (laughs) And then I moved back home from grad school and was like, I have so much time now. I'm going to actually learn how to knit. So I did. And I've done like all the basic scarves, afghans, those sorts of things. But most recently, my new niece was born this past year in April. And so I was like, I want to make something for her, of course, but I didn't want to make hat or you know little booties or anything because I was like how do you figure out what size to make for someone who's not here yet (laughs) I feel like I need her head to be able to make the hat so I was thinking about it and I was wandering through Hobby Lobby and they had this little kit uh, that was how to make Winnie the Pooh and so it was like a little four inch version of Winnie the Pooh which I still have my poo from growing up. I'm obsessed with this bear. He's gone everywhere in the world with me, which is maybe problematic for an almost 30-year-old. So I was like, I'm going to make her one. Well, then I bought the kit and realized that it gives you instructions for not only how to make Winnie the Pooh, but all of his friends in the 100-acre wood. So I've been slowly over the past year making this uh, little collection for my niece and that is probably the most they are crafty perf- they are and perfect and adorable she's amazing they're so cool she tried to teach me to crochet once lasted 15 minutes so what happens when you're done with the 100 acre wood characters are then you moving on to something else my personal bucket list for a long time i want to learn how to quilt which I think is my way of trying to trick myself into learning how to sew because I don't know how to do that. You kind of have feels to like know. A, yeah. I know. So I feel like by deciding I'm going to quilt, I'm going to learn how to sew, hopefully. It's a good goal. We'll see how this works. It's a great goal. So that will probably be the next project. But then I'm going to have to find something else because my sister just got married this past year as well. And so I have a feeling there will be future nieces and nephews coming. And I could just keep making... Winnie the Pooh characters, but I might try to find some other little creatures to just I think make. But they need to be from a book. Oh, of course. <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. I'm also the bookworm in the family, so I have to promote it <laughs> Well, thank you both for being on our show. Thank it's you. Hannah and Amelia, and we have enjoyed talking about book club you guys and are the so regimental. <laughs> you guys are so fun. I feel like we, you know, we have very different book clubs, but also reading is fun, y'all. Like, <laughs> both people are the best people. Also 100%. dogs. <laughs> okay, and a cat. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes for any episode, please go to our blog site at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. If you enjoy our show, spread the word and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find us. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots, community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. 
You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.